Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Statz. Another interview episode of Board Game with Education coming right up. Before we get to that interview, I do want to say I hope that the remote adventure that we hosted this last week was helpful and gave you an opportunity to kind of think about how games play a role in our lives, especially in times like this. And maybe some of those conversations helped you consider how you can use games to either to build relationships with students now or maybe use games as a a tool in your learning or teaching in the future. You can still sign up for the remote adventure. We're going to continue the game-based lesson design jam until the end of this week. So this is a way or an opportunity for you to try to think about a lesson that you've had in the past or a lesson coming up that you want to try to gamify. So be sure to join that. It's an opportunity to get feedback from others in the jam as well. So you can join that boardgamingwitheducation.com backslash remote dash adventure. That will be in the show notes and you'll be able to go to our website boardgamingwitheducation.com and you'll find the remote adventure toward the top of the website. So today's episode, I'm really excited because I got a chance to chat with Matt Bivens. He is a art teacher in the Los Angeles area, and we had a chance to meet in person a few times now. Really, really awesome conversation. We recorded this a while back, so this was before our current situation where we're dealing with the coronavirus and being indoors and remote learning. So this is a good episode to listen to and think about ways you can support your learners in your classrooms or in your schools in the future when we're back in session. So here we go. Let's listen in to that interview. All right, so I'm here and I'm super excited because this is my first in-person interview in LA. I'm here here with Matt Bivens. So he is a art teacher and he also teaches some game design as a part of his art class. He is also the author of Table with Matt Bivens, a up and coming blog that he just started. So Matt, we were talking and I I failed to find an interesting fact that's kind of outside of maybe what we would talk about. But one thing you said is you played guitar. Yeah, um, since uh, middle school. I practiced playing guitar and uh, took some lessons and got to play writing, singing, songwriter type stuff and playing open mics. And uh, my biggest kind of thing that I did with that was in 2006, I went around the country um, playing open mics. I think I played about 18 open mics over like 20 days. So Okay, so I have... I have two follow-up questions now. Okay. <laughs> One, did you ever play... So you went around the country. Yeah. Did you happen to go to Nebraska to play an open mic? Uh, no, okay. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't played in Nebraska. That's too bad. <laughs> Do you have family or something? Yeah, that's, that's where I'm from, Okay. So <laughs> um, and then my other question, would I be able to catch an open mic here in LA now? Do you still do open mics? Uh, it's It's been some time... Uh, when I when I moved to this school I'm currently at, teaching three different types of art classes really started to take up time. And the people I was playing with on a regular basis, I was now 
it was just too difficult to meet up with them and I didn't keep up the habit of playing guitar. But it's something I'd like to get back into and I'll let you know if it if it happens. Yes, please do. I I think I can totally relate as well as some of our listeners about keeping up with a hobby and teaching is kind of difficult to do sometimes. Yeah. And and game design kind of took over as a hobby too. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, so I mentioned you are an art teacher. Can you let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself and Okay. So, um, my, my teaching day, uh, starts off with a class in painting. Uh, I'm at the high school level, so we mainly work in acrylic paint there. And, uh, I take them through a range of skills in this fall semester, how to draw and create depth. And then, uh, in the spring semester, we go through some contemporary art styles and they work in those styles. So, Design craft happens in the middle of my school day. It's uh, where I do board game design. Uh, as it's where I teach the process. And so design craft is um, we use kind of crafts skills and design thinking. And then the end of my day uh, is cartoon animation. And so it's both traditional and digital. All of my classes have a little bit of digital art to them. Painting, I would say, has the least. Cartoon animation has the most. And the game design that we do in Design Craft has both um, making digital assets that could be used for video games, as well as iconography and uh, digital illustrations for card and board games. Super cool. I know I've, I don't know if your students have an opportunity to use iPads, but I've seen some of the programs that you can run on iPads, and it's just, insane what you can do on those things now yeah i um i have uh ipad from uh, 2008 i think 2009 um or no 2010 i think is when i got it and i i bought a drawing app and it just it didn't click for me and i've tried like the you know the tablets to draw on Mm -hmm. but uh just good old ink and pencil and stuff like that is really where it's at. And I can always scan it and then manipulate it. So, um, and I have a really great document scanner that we use in my classroom uh, when we do like walk cycles or stuff that they transfer to digital work. So, yeah, that's super cool. I don't, I don't have much of a background in art, but my wife does. And I know we've been meaning to pick up an iPad just to play around with it a little bit. Yeah. iPads, my, my iPad is my gaming iPad. I have Dominion, uh, Carcassonne, and, uh, well, Star Realms. Star Realms. I I used to have Stone Age on it, but um, that app that I paid, I think, like five bucks for is no longer supported. And I'm bummed to see it because I love playing Stone Age. It's tough with the board game apps because I guess, I mean, I don't really know much about it other than I've read that it costs money to make sure the bugs aren't causing problems down the road for new phones and um one thing that i want to mention about my school day is that i also have a student club they're called the game development guild and then my after school program is game development art and design and so once a week there's kids hanging out after school uh trying out their character designs in Dungeons and Dragons, working in Unity and Maya on the computers, designing board games, playing board games, and chatting about, you know, games culture. 
So that's super cool. I know some of our listeners might be interested in as well as myself because I've recently just relocated back to Los Angeles and I'm at a middle school and I've been considering ways to start an after school like club like that, a game club. Yeah. Um, so maybe can you tell us before we get too into what you do as a teacher and um, teaching game design and teaching art and playing with and using games and your teaching, what was one time that you learned something through a game? Well, um, so I mentioned that I went around the country playing um, open mics. One of the things that I was considering at the time was getting a uh, MFA uh, in interactive design and media. And so I was looking at Savannah College of Art and Design. And so I stopped off there to do a tour even though I was thinking about doing the online program, I, it was a destination, and okay. I, I had fun. Yeah. Um, but a few years later, they have um, this thing they call the Art Educators Forum, and my school said that they'd pay for it, but they couldn't pay for uh, my travel expenses and stuff, but I really wanted to go to it. And um, there, there was one session on using games for education as art teachers, right? Okay. And um, Brenda Romero uh, was the uh, head of that program that I was interested in at the time. Um, she's got some uh, credit as a game designer on some pretty big video games, but she's also done uh, board games that kind of get you to question um, kind of society politics. Um, one of them is train which you don't there's you don't know the story of what's going on until the end um and you're basically shipping people off to internment camps in germany world war ii yeah there's there's also um one about uh illegal immigrants working in restaurants and like being the restaurant owner and trying to make a profit and it's It, you know, so it's yeah. it trying to trying to get people to really look at things to kind of question through game design. And these are both board games. Yeah, right? okay. Yeah. They're they're not like out there to purchase. But she talked about the iterative game design process. She also talked about using games uh, in the classroom. Um, and I don't recall everything about it but i do know that that was the first time i played um hey that's my fish (laughs) (laughs) and and there was some other ones where like how to modify a card game so that it kind of works for uh art classroom and how you could like maybe learn about different artists and so it was more of a here's how to do game design and here's how to use games in a classroom that's super cool. I'm sure it was super res- or informational. You know, probably yeah. learned a lot from it, especially in your discipline, right? Yeah. Specific to art. So when did you first get into playing games? Um, so, you know, as a kid, there was always card games and uh, board games around the house. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Kings in the Corners. It's a card game. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my grandma taught me that. I know that my cousin, sister, and I would sit around the uh, the table at family gatherings and play that. Um, but independently, um, 
there was a comic book shop that I was able to ride my bike to. Uh, they also had uh, role-playing games, um, and that's where I bought my Red Box edition of Dungeons and Dragons in the fourth grade. Okay. And I ran D and D for my friends uh, in the you know just like we had like our corner crew that in in the suburbs that and I think there was two buddies that I had that played, and then in middle school I ended up with my D and D crew and we had a variety of role playing games that I played throughout high school. So awesome. What was the second role playing game you played after D and D? I think it was uh, Riffs, Palladium Riffs. So okay. I'm not or, familiar with it. Uh, but. Palladium has a really kind of wonky system, but they you can make just about anything. And Riffs is a post-apocalypse kind of setting, uh, which is something that I'm really interested in, that kind of space. Yeah, I love, I mean, for me, post-apocalyptic literature, I really love that like dystopian literature. Yeah. Some of my favorite stuff or movies. Cool. So how did you, you play games as a hobby and how did that hobby kind of bleed into what you do as a teacher? Well, um, it was in college. Art takes a lot of time like to, so the classes met for four hours and then there was an expectation four to six hours outside of class would be spent and I'd be taking two or three art classes each semester and um, playing open mics and such, you know. So uh, gaming kind of fell off the radar at that point. Um, But it was always in the background. I I would make up art around themes from Dungeons and Dragons or uh, other systems. And then um, in... My first year of teaching, I talked about my experiences with Dungeons and Dragons to some of my students, and they eventually asked, "Hey, could you could you teach us how to play?" At the same time, before my first day of teaching, I was looking for my department, and I somebody told me, "Oh, they're over in this room, which was my department head's room, and they had uh, the Multimedia Career Academy was meeting." They were revamping the program, and uh, so I popped in. They had animation. They had photography, video production, music technology. And I said, well, uh, how about digital sculpture? And about a week later, the head of the program came back to me and said, how about video game design? (laughs) And so over the next year, I learned how to do 3D modeling on computers and wrote up a course and started teaching video game design in 2005. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Super cool. 2005. I'm trying to think of what video games were like in 2005. I just graduated high school, so that would have been like PS3. Halo. Maybe? Yeah. You remember yeah. Halo, the Halo. original? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The original Halo was 2005. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I remember Halo like land parties in high school. Yeah. I, I think maybe the new Halo, the second Halo came out at that time and they... Like, I remember playing it. My buddy had a projector. Like, right when it came out, we played uh, we played Halo, and I, it just made me dizzy. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh, bummer, because I had loved playing the original Halo. Like, my my buddy, who's now an administrator, yeah, uh, we both got our degrees uh, as art educators together. And, uh, you know, it was 
at the end of the day, we'd hang out and play Halo and eat goldfish and talk about art education, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, I loved Halo a lot. I I miss those days when I could spend a lot more time <laughs> playing video games. Yeah, it, it's uh, the last time, well, my student club does fundraisers, and so they'll have Super Smash Brothers and stuff like that. That's about the only time that I play video games is that I'll, I'll contribute a few bucks to play in the tournament. And, uh, I call it super smash buttons and I, I will just, I'll be silly and like look away from the screen and just smash the buttons and then look back and, you know, maybe my turn's done. Maybe maybe you're live, maybe not. Yeah. So. So do you think using games in, education is a natural thing or even maybe more specifically like art teachers is that something that is natural for teachers so i with this one i i see is it is it natural um for me i think that it was but i had a history with games right and i think that um teachers who are familiar with games they have a background in it like i talked about playing the nintendo entertainment system uh card and board games, uh, you know, from the eighties and seventies and stuff, as well as having done Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing systems. You know, I had that kind of foundation of what I call a games lexicon, Mm -hmm. right? There's like, I knew how to speak game. I think at the time I had a, uh, game informer account and I would read through that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, I had that foundation when, you know, the head of the program came to me and said, could you do video game design? You know, I had an interest in doing digital sculpture and that just kind of got me through the door. I was teaching a sculpture class, so it, uh, it came natural to me. And I think that for an educator who has a passion for gaming or an interest at least and knows of it right they can they can take take that and start to apply it to their curriculum design so do you have any advice for a teacher who might maybe they do enjoy games a bit or really enjoy them and just haven't taken that step to introduce them into their teaching yeah so i would say start simple right given whatever your subject matter is take that and find a game that kind of lines up with a specific moment in your curriculum. Know that game really well so that, you know, you can always answer questions and you can kind of think on your feet. Know the, the journey that you're going to take. What's the beginning? How are you introducing it? What is it going to look like while you play through? And how does it, how does it wrap up? And how does it fit into your curriculum so that if your administrator walks in and is looking for, you know, how you how you're functioning, they can they can see the educational relevance, which I I can say um, I was being reviewed last year, and my admin came in while we were doing the Dixit uh, Surrealism unit, and students were drawing and coming up with combinations for how to guess, you know. They, we do it a little different. We modify the game, right? And that might be a thing that you need to do. Right. Uh, scoring is a little different when we do di- Dixit. Um, 
as well as how they present the uh, kind of so Dixit. There's the the illustrations, and there's everybody puts in a card based off of the little story that somebody tells. They they choose a card that's the correct one, and then the person the student also chooses five other cards to try and fool people. And then they take a picture of those cards and we do a little slides presentation. Oh, okay. Right. So it's, which is different than the game, right? right. But the game's designed for like five, to, or like up to five people. Right. Right. We need to play with 38. Right. You kind of have to modify it for, <laughs> yeah. for a larger class size. No, I like that. Um, so that maybe, do you have any other examples? Dix is a good example to, for teachers. And I like the modification because if you have the technology in your classroom, that's something very easy you could do to take a picture. Mm -hmm. You can involve everyone in the game process. Yeah. I think that one night ultimate werewolf is, you know, it, it's taken a party game and simplified it. Right. Uh, there, there is the app, right. And so I think that you could have each table playing that, you know, uh, and I don't, I don't know, uh, Bezier, Bezier games is local. Uh, they actually did provide my, my classroom with where words and one night ultimate werewolf. Oh, awesome. Um, and I, you know, I, it's, you could, you know, do some card sleeves with, you know, the names and, you know, as, and use the app to run the whole class. Everybody plays the same way. You have the same characters in and, uh, that could work out, you know, that's a quick modification and, uh, it, social skill building. Right. Right. Um, so, and I've, I've got kind of a list of games that I think would be easy to implement in different subjects. Would that be a good time to, yeah. If okay. you have a few, yeah. Definitely. So, um, for geography, American geography, we could do trans America or ticket to ride. Um, then in mathematics, uh, resources and worker placement and kind of studying the breakdown of stone age um where you know how many points do you get for you know two wood and a stone right and how does that relate to um you know it's you know the dice and probability i'm not sure what level of mathematics it would fit in but yeah yeah, I'm not. I know there's a bunch of board games with different, I guess, mathematics systems in them, yeah. but I don't have a background play, in mathematics. Play, play, uh, Reiner Knizia games. I, I was listening to, um, some podcast recently and they said, uh, some, oh, I was, uh, building the game. Okay. And, and they said, well, you know, he's got like over 200 titles, but, you know, not all of them are lost cities, right? And some of them you might just be saying, well, am I just playing a really long math? Like a math question <laughs> yeah <laughs> um then uh local designer uh patrick stevens does a few history games uh bull moose is a uh, a game when there was actually uh three different parties that were viable for the presidential election and then he's got california gold which is about the second gold rush here in California, which is the kind of oranges and, you know, citrus okay. production. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, numb skull games and uh, 
Patrick's uh, a friend of mine through the local board game design community. Okay. So, yeah. Really cool. Candyland for the younger folks. It's <laughs> it's counting and taking turns. And then team building, we mentioned, well, we talked about socializing with Ultimate Werewolf, uh, but team building with co-ops like Forbidden Island or, say, Pandemic. And you might get some science out of uh, Pandemic as well, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll be honest, I've never played Pandemic. I've seen it played. Yeah, no, it's it's a good game. I think there's a, a lot to say about cooperation in the game and understanding how players interact and the choices they make and the reasons why they choose to do certain choices by looking at uh, like social structures and who takes the lead and who kind of agrees and disagrees. Yeah. The, uh, the owner of Dragon and Meeple at our local game convention, Strategicon, uh, in the years past has uh, run a pandemic tournament. Okay. And so like the event cards... He turns those over and announces them, and each team has to like choose how they're going to play it out. Okay. So that might be a, a good thing to implement in a classroom as well. Right, yeah. I, I know Pandemic's been very successful for me for language learning through the communicative-based approach, which is essentially just practicing speaking. Uh, I wish I would have went back to it and asked students if I do any games like that ask students to actually write down and think about the sentence structures they use because mm -hmm. uh, that would be good for reviewing what they had just played. I know I was just talking to podcast recently uh, on season seven. He has the ludic language pedagogy journal and he talks about how he asked them to record when they play. So then that way they can listen back to how they use their language and transcribe it. So then the next time they play, they can remember what they changed and how to fix like the mistakes in their language. Oh, well, that's similar to how I have students design board games. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like iteration. Iteration. And uh, we use what I found on Kathleen Mercury's resources, um, the, the wink feedback. So what works, what could be improved, uh, new ideas and questions. Okay, yeah. yeah. You teach some game design as a part of your art course. How did you get started with that process of incorporating it? So video game design was taught as a class in the Multimedia Career Academy. And it started off as just like we make art assets for video games and we explore different types of, you know, I had to have so... We had 16 computers and 20-something students. Uh, it was nice to have a small class size, but needed to figure out what to do with the kids who weren't on the computers. And I had the pleasure of going to the Game Developers Conference on the school's uh, or the, the grant's money, right? And at the Game Developers Conference, there's a special interest group in education. And so... I got to see, hear a lot of uh, video game design teachers from the college level talk about what they were doing with game design and paper prototypes, making big versions of contemporary board games or classic board games. And so I came back to uh, teaching 
and got to start trying that out. One of the, and I think I talked about this in my last blog post, one of the things that I did was to help with character design. I created a kind of skirmish game and they designed characters for that game, which it was not the, uh, it's not the best. I, I got to, I played it in January, 2018. So, um, and I looked back and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> this design needs a lot of work. But yeah. of course I had all these ideas. Right, to it. right. But, um, so it started off with me trying to design games and having them draw out, uh, like a 2D platform game, like, you know, start to finish Super Mario Brothers. What does that look like? And, you know, okay, here's some color pencils. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but then uh, also kind of concepting games. Okay, where you have to make a game in, so we talked about platformer, maybe an RPG, you know, what's the setting, talking about that kind of design in video game design. Um, and then when I started at the school I currently teach at in 2009, I had a design craft and I was doing a lot of the 3d projects, but I didn't have a space to do some of the projects that I liked from my video game design course. So I, I took 3d design and video game design and started to compress it there. Um, and we continued to do that skirmish game, but over the years, I figured out that game design should be something that they're making their own games. Um, and while I was like in within that year, 2009, 2010, I got introduced to Dominion. And by 2012, I had gone back to the Strategicon conventions that I had gone to during uh, high school and college. And that brought about kind of a new site, you know, kind of a new understanding. I did have the Hey, That's My Fish from Savannah College of Art and Design Art Educator Forum, but then it just kind of spiraled from there. Okay. Dominion and Stone Age, and then I bought a whole bunch of games at that <laughs> yeah. point, and we would play them during lunch and after school. At the time, my after-school program was meeting like three days a week and they would go from working on the computers, doing digital art to playing D and D and kind of switching back and forth and, uh, you know, teaching kids how to make characters and then how to become dungeon masters mm -hmm. and, um, how can we modify a game? Uh, so design craft started to, I think it was, 2012 2013 i'm like okay we're gonna make a contemporary board game and so you know i said that that's the end goal we're making that so how do i get to the start and i had some uh resources play centric approach is a, a part of a book game design workshop and there was the formal elements of game design and so I took that and put it into, okay, and we'll use these formal elements. You've got to write out your how your game functions and we'll build it so that it works. Okay. So since 2011, 2012, I think, I've been going from the normal school year and the summer school. And a few years back, I, did, I, 
figured out that the big issue, the, the thing that was toughest about teaching game design is that the majority of my students didn't have the gaming lexicon, right? So they didn't, they didn't know how to, they didn't know playing the games. Right. right. So how are they going to make them? And I had some, you know, hey, here's a bunch of games, play them. And so I've developed a specific library of games that these are the ones that we play to learn these mechanisms and see these themes. Um, And that the games started getting better, right? Because my skill at teaching how to design games at the same time, I was active in uh, SoCal playtesting, making up my games, you know, practice what you preach, right? Learn learn how to do what you're asking others to do. Um, And so after I finished my degree, uh, my master's degree in education, master's of education, I, um, I had done some action research on that board game design unit. It was like my big end of degree project. Right. Um, and I took, I took what I learned there. And the thing that stood out to me is I need to do game design through the whole school year. So now it's not just we make a contemporary board game, but we start off with modifying a card game in the first uh, third of the or first sixth of the school year. Uh, Then we do a roll and move game, and these are group projects. I have thirty eight students, so twelve groups, some four, some three. Modifying a card game, they take it from the four suits to six different icons nine cards per icon, um, roll and move. They have to have interesting choices. It's not just, um, you know, you roll and you move exactly that amount of spaces and you do what it says. Right. But there, there needs to be some choice. Something, something's yeah. got to happen. And um, I, I would like to have more games that I can demonstrate or at least give them an experience. And so I'm trying to... I designed a game uh, called Be Home When the Streetlights Come On. And it's I, I took a mechanism that I saw in the game Jamaica where one person rolls the dice and everybody has cards that allow them to use the dice. So you choose a card and it has a daytime action and an evening action and the dice go for day and evening. So, so do you have any awesome... Examples of student games? Well, I have a very fun, playful one that I'll, I'll share with you. So modifying a card game. Are you familiar with the game Spoons? Yes. Right, yeah, so you, spoons. <laughs> you're just, it's, it's very quick. You're passing cards until you've got a set of four, right? Right. Fork knife. Fork knife, uh-oh. Right? So um, as opposed to passing cards back and forth, it's about doing set collection, so you want to get like three forks or three knives or three kitchen spoons or a spatula, right? Like okay. all these different things. And the there's like a, a set of cards that are out on the table. And you, if you're taking one, you have to put one down. Okay. And so when you get a set, you get to draw from the, the deck. And so there's always these eight cards out there. And, and it was just fast and chaotic. <laughs> and... The uh, the iconography that they drew out on the cards 
was the weakest point. So uh, iterative design process for me was, okay, I need clearer expectations on the graphic design portion of this. And so that was uh, the 2018 fall semester when I had taught that. And so in the 2019 fall semester, uh, they had to make their iconography to fill up a specific square. They had to outline it in black ink and fill it in in color pencil. And uh, that worked out much better. We've, we had some right. really fun, great, fun games, um, which, you know, but I, I think that fork knife, just that one will always stand out because of the clever name, right? Everybody Fortnite, is yeah. for, Fortnite, right? Like that, that's a popular video game yeah. at that time. I don't know if people still play it or not. Still popular. Yeah. Okay. All my students play it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's one that it's a fun story to share. Right? Yeah, it gives awesome. you an idea of how, uh, my curriculum process works. Right. That's awesome. I, I mean, I love playing spoons growing up and then even in, I mean, okay. So I went to a couple or actually just once I went to a Chinese language exchange in Taiwan and it was a board game language exchange. Um, and the game they played was, it was not very good for learning language. So don't copy this, but it was a, it was a fun time to go and meet people. But it was just basically spoons, but it was based off uh, some animation in Taiwan and it's collecting different cookie colors or the monster colors. And then you just grab the cookie and you say bingan, which is cookie in, in Chinese. And that's all I, I learned what a bingan means. But <laughs> yeah, but not really much other language. Than yeah, that. they they did do a really great job of translating the code names. Um, so they had the Chinese words and the English words and the, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word, the phonetic sound of the Chinese. Well, the phonemes? It, it's like, a, <laughs> I've been out of Taiwan for too long. Okay. It's the, the we use the Latin alphabet to. How you would pronounce. Pronounce it. Yeah, but okay. there's a word for it in Chinese. Oh, okay. Maybe uh, my brain will kick on when this interview comes out. And <laughs> well, i i took uh, I took two classes where I studied phonetics in uh, college, um, voice articulation and public speaking, as well as uh, there was one where we got to uh, or we had to take tests where we wrote out words phonetically how you okay. pronounce it. But the the fun part was we had to get a toddler interacting with their parent and record like their words and tra transcribe phonetically what the toddler said. So uh, Matt, thank you for sharing a bit about your process for teaching and also how you got into game design or teaching game design and how you got into games. Um, before we end this, we're going to go into the final segment and this is a thumbs up, thumbs down lightning round. So you can just say thumbs up if you if it's a good thing you like it or thumbs down if you really don't care for it much and give me a brief reason why. Okay. Okay, so the first one I think I know your answer. Board games as an art form. 
<laughs> yeah, thumbs up. Uh, so yeah, it's. I mean, what is art is is a deeper question, but to me, uh, it's it's an interactive art form, and I think that it's great for, you know, in the sense that the graphic dot design and the art on the table, but it can almost it can at some ways the game board games can be an immersive experience almost like a installation art piece so yeah yeah i, I definitely agree um okay next one party games <sighs> uh thumbs down thumbs down All right. i so they're not for me i so i it's it's like or dislike Right, yeah, so it's no in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I. So, we don't do party games. They're not a part of the contemporary board game thing that I do. Um, but yeah, I like. I'll play One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Uh, but I won't. It won't be something that I bring to the table. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. we all, we all have our tastes. Yeah. Uh, App based games. Um. I don't have much experience, uh, so I'll, you know, well, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, they have an app, so I'll go yes. I think that that makes it fun, uh, and I think that there's a lot that can be done with that. So, yeah, thumbs up. All right. Um, and AR technology and board games. Uh, thumbs up. I, you know, it's altered or uh ar is what's the a and i know it's reality augmented reality. augmented yeah, reality yeah blank too. yeah um so i so with that like i've had i have some friends who worked with augmented reality um kind of as an it guy for the place that does the augmented reality and i think that it has some some fun stuff uh local game designer um i don't know if he's actually put out his game but his how to play uh there was you know some qr codes on all the cards for how to play through so okay yeah i'm i think that it can be done a lot bigger than that and i know that there are some kind of murder mystery type games that play in that way with the ar yeah there's uh i think it's called detective mm-hmm yeah, that was AR. I, I played it very briefly, like the very beginning, but then at another table, they were setting up Root, and I never had a chance to play that, so I... Oh, I, I like Root. I think Root. I've played it twice. Yeah, I like it. I really like it a lot, but I've from my experience, it's been a success, like a lot of fun, or like players have been miserable playing the game. And I think it's because the couple times that they've not enjoyed it, it's been people who aren't really like heavy gamers, and also towards the end of the night or they're kind of like you know tired they're not yeah ready for learning rules for each individual faction and then playing yeah there's there's so. a meetup that i go to out in oxnard that they like those types of games and i got to play with them and it like i pick up those games pretty quick yeah and uh another game pipeline that they had okay um and i the artemis project so they're all kind of heavier worker placement type of games but i like the story of root and uh 
they recently had a Kickstarter for the role-playing game, right? And yeah. it's powered by the apocalypse. So, I I want to play in that system, and they have a quick start free download. So I downloaded that. And oh, okay. I you have to let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And the last one, and feel free to throw in a couple recommendations if you give it a thumbs up. Board game podcasts. All right, thumbs up. <laughs> Obviously, gaming with education is a great one to listen to, but uh, the uh, board game design lab has been um, a favorite of mine. Breaking into board games, building the game podcast. They're no longer doing this, but I really enjoyed cardboard architects. Okay. Um, they, I think, one of them lived lives down here or lived down here. Uh, the other one was up in San Francisco, and I got to meet him at GobbleCon. Pretty interesting. Uh, we wanted to play a game together, but didn't end up working out. Um, so the best edition of fourth of Dungeons & Dragons is 4th edition, obviously. And um, if you'd like to know how to play that, listen to Critical Hit. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's my favorite uh, podcast that got me into podcasting. If you want to know about board games and really kind of do a deep dive and understand things, uh, Game Brain is a new one, and it's some local guys, uh, one of which is a game designer, Trey Alsup. Uh, he actually designed a, he's designed games that are kind of LARPs, and he at the uh, Reagan Library, there's one. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping to get my games club there. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ludology um, is is a good one. Um, yeah, uh, the guy who does the history of board games, um, Scott Rogers, on there. He's local. Uh, okay. You know, he and I think you'd have a fun time talking to him. Yeah, yeah. I think I've spoke to him briefly on Facebook, but I forgot he is in LA, so I yeah. have to reach out to him again. Yeah, he teaches at the New York Film Academy. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So. He's, he's got the education stuff. Oh, really cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Matt, thank you again for coming on the show. If anyone wanted to reach out to you or if you're working on something, where where can they find you or what are you doing? I, I've started this blog just because it's I've got stuff on my mind and I want to share it with people. Sites.google.com backslash view backslash table with Matt Bivens backslash home will get you to uh, the content. I only have uh, three blogs, but I've been able to do one a week since the end of the school year. But if you want to reach me, table with Matt Bivens at gmail.com. Perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll put it in the show notes for sure. And we'll this episode is probably out in the future, so that hopefully you'll have a few more out by the time we're releasing. Yeah, them, so. yeah. Um, and... If you want to see some random pictures that I decided to post on Instagram at Bivens Art Class, and that's also my Twitter handle. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, I'm sure people will be interested in seeing some of the pictures and maybe you have some of your art on there or yeah, I, designs. Uh, I was a substitute teacher for a painting class this summer. Okay. And I did a, so there's a painting that I did just to show how to use perspective and doing how the light hits the forms in space. Um, there's a few pictures of board game designs that I've been working on. I think I have pictures of Robot Bouquet, um, which we got yeah, to play got the play. other day. Yeah. 
Well, Matt, thank you again. I know it was super, it was super helpful for me and super, uh, I learned a lot from you. So I'm sure our listeners did as well. Thank cool. you. Thanks for having me on. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a review anywhere you listen to your podcast. That really helps others find the show. And again, if you want to join the remote adventure, boardgamewitheducation.com backslash remote dash adventure. And until next time. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time. <laughs>